With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Confession time. I love Christina Costantini. Our professional paths have overlapped twice, first at the Huffington Post, then at Fusion TV, where I watched as Christina soared from investigative journalist to documentary filmmaker. Her first film, Science Fair, won awards at Sundance and South by Southwest and led to her new Netflix doc, Mucho, Mucho Amor, about the private life of Walter Mercado. Today, we talk about how she and her co-director convinced the famed television astrologer to give them unprecedented access during what would become his final days. And we nerd out, as we often do, about what makes a subject worthy of a documentary, as I get the story of how Christina learned to direct without ever going to film school. What was it that pulled you to documentary? I yeah, I was I was spent eight years basically of my life nonstop on the phone with detainees and talking to drug cartel leaders, and you know, I, I was doing very difficult stories, and they really were taking a toll. And I think uh, the world is a dark place and is in strife, and whenever I need a break from that or need a little bit of hope, I would watch these documentaries like Spellbound or Mad Hot Ballroom, which are documentaries about kids who are doing amazing things. And I started thinking back to my own experience as a kid in the International High School Science Fair. And I just remembered the joy, what a unique environment it is. It's majority female, majority uh, non-white. Then you have kids doing some of the most brilliant, amazing research. And they're also hilarious because they're like, you know, 
the they're real go-getters and they haven't learned how to edit themselves yet and so <laughs> so I, I wanted to to document those kids and and tell a happy story about you know how the future is bright if I had told you when you were doing those science fairs that you would grow up to become a documentarian what would you have said I think I would have been thrilled. I've loved documentaries since I was a kid. I just didn't see that as a viable career path, though. I, I, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My parents are furniture makers. I didn't see that as a viable um, career path for me. And uh, yeah, I would have been thrilled. How did your Argentine dad end up in Wisconsin? <laughs> they moved to New York first, uh, and it was too big and too bustling. So then they ended up going to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where they had a, a German friend. There are lots of Germans in Argentina. Uh, who's an Argentine German person who who liked Milwaukee because there were also lots of Germans. So <laughs> that the film, your first film, Science Fair at Sundance, wins big award. The audience loves it. What did you learn from that first foray into directing? It's a lot more fun than investigative journalism, I would say. Um, no, but I think I learned kind of the power of uh, a hopeful story. I think hope and love are, you know, in short supply right now. And these kinds of stories can really um, change the way people think of the world and think of themselves. And so Walter came out of that in a way. I was looking for another story that was also from my childhood. You know, I started thinking, what other worlds do I know really well that not everybody knows? And what other worlds made me feel warm and fuzzy as a kid? And I think Walter Mercado was part of that world for me. I grew up watching him every day as a kid with my grandmother. And, you know, he reminds me of my grandmother in many ways. He's the same age as my grandmother. They have the same hairdo. And so I... I you know, started to wonder whatever happened to him. And, you know, in many ways he was, as he would say, 100 years ahead of his time. The first person I had ever seen that was genderqueer, what we'd call now. It's just inspirational. Looking back, it's like, good God, you were doing that at that time. You know, in 1940 in Puerto Rico, you were being Walter Mercado. It's it's really inspirational. So that's when I set out to find him. <laughs> You set out to find him. What does that mean? So I started asking around Univision and Fusion. And Nando actually told me, Nando Villa told me that there's a producer named Alex Fumero who's also obsessed with Walter, who you should talk to about this. Maybe he knows something. So I called Alex and he was like, this is the weirdest thing. I have another director who I'm supposed to talk to in 10 minutes about doing a documentary about Walter Mercado. And I was like, who is this person? And his name is Kareem Tapsh. And he directed a film called Dolphin Lover, which I was a big fan of. It's about a man who falls in love with a dolphin in a Florida, like, SeaWorld. And I had loved that film. And uh, I was like, oh, amazing. I can't, I, I mean, I would love to talk to him. And we decided basically on, 10 minutes later on a phone call that we would all do the project together. And yeah, it's been an incredible experience. Kareem tracked down the niece of Walter through an estate sale and then set up a phone call with Walter and it was yeah, it was off to the races. It was it was really insane to talk to uh Walter Mercado on the phone for the first time. And he said yes. Well that unprecedented mm. access is notable because he is 
and has always been intensely private. So how did you three persuade him to allow you to make the film? We had rehearsed for that first conversation for hours and hours. What are the possible questions he could ask us? How would we answer it? You know, what is, what, what's the best angle on all of his questions? And we got on the phone and he said, okay, I have one question for you. And we were like, oh, this is it. It's going to be really hard. And he was like, what are your astrological signs? <laughs> and so we went around and I was like, I'm a Libra. Kareem's a Libra. And Alex is Sagittarius. And he said, okay, that's great. Sounds good. I would love to do this film with you. So he was he was in, like in, in from day one. He was psyched. But his idea of a documentary, we realized very quickly, was very different from our idea. He wanted, he was in front of a lens for 50 years. He was the most camera trained person you can imagine. It's truly insane. And he has 50 years of rehearsed answers. He knows what he's going to say to every question you could ask him. And so it was really a process of spending a lot of time with him. At first, he thought this was going to just, you know, he was going to be in full makeup and just telling the stories he always tells. And I think it took a lot of time to explain to him that this might be different, that this is, you know, we want to see who you actually are without your makeup, what you do in your normal life. And talking about bad stuff was particularly uh, offensive to him. He did not want to talk about anything bad, you know, and, and that is the story of his life. You know, he a lot goes wrong. He loses everything. And even to get him to talk about that was very difficult. So that was a big stumbling block for us in the first, you know, 20 interviews that we did with him. So uh, we probably shot with him for like 35 or 40 days. And whenever we the camera was on, it kind of turned into an interview. I remember we told him once that we just wanted to, what, he, what would he be do, doing if we weren't here? And he said reading a book. And so he opened a book and he started reading it but he it was like on stage he's a he's a trained theater actor so it was like stage reading where he was like having a conversation with the book that he was reading with his eyes no even though the one time you get him eating breakfast it was the most stately breakfast (laughs) i know oh my gosh he's just very stately man Is there something that's getting in the way of your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals? I have found in my own life that talking with someone can make a big difference, but sometimes the logistics, finding the right person, the time to connect, makes things complicated. BetterHelp Online Counseling connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in everything from depression to relationships to self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Best of all, it's an affordable option. Latina to Latina listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code LATINA. So why not join 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health? Go to betterhelp.com Latina. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Latina. There's so many big names in the stock, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nidia Caro, but the biggest get in terms of telling the story might be 
Bill Bakula, Walter's mm-hmm. former manager, as you said, who, without giving too much away, deeply tied to Walter's disappearance from the limelight. How did you convince Bill to participate? That is all Alex Homero. He's an inc- incredible producer. Um, and I think the key was just being honest with Bill and telling him that we were going to tell the story. He was going to be in it. He's a large part of the reason that Walter was so successful. We wouldn't know, we wouldn't be talking about Walter. We wouldn't know who Walter is if it were not for Bill's hard work and production genius. Uh, really, he made Walter a star. But we also would probably had Walter for much longer if it were not for Bill. So Alex was very honest with him about that. That that was the that was what our movie was going to entail, and he could either talk about it or he could not talk about it. To his credit, he answered every question and really spoke to the issues at hand. It was it was a really interesting interview. It was a bit tense, but also like you know. He was one of the only people who was there for most of the stuff that we're talking about. So we also wanted him to tell the story of Walter's life. How long does a documentary like this take to produce from beginning to end? This actually is an incredibly quick turn for a documentary film. Um, We started filming in January of 2018, and we, um, we really had a race to finish it because we were aware that Walter's health was failing him. And so we really wanted to finish the film so that Walter could be there when it premiered. So January of 2018 was our first shoot. We sent it to Sundance November 1st of 2019, and then Walter passed away November 2nd of 2019. So So it was... Did he get to see it? He didn't see the full cut. We were with him five weeks before he passed away, and we showed him about 20 minutes, and he loved those. And it was all about his childhood and his, you know, his days as a dancer and an actor and the first time he was on television and his kind of rise to superstardom. That's what he saw. There are a few devices you use in the film that I want to ask you about. Very early on, there are reenactments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would first of all love to know how you know exactly what my grandmother's living room <laughs> looks like. That's so nice of you to say that. Yeah, that's we. All we cared about was that Latinos could recognize their um, living rooms of their grandmothers or their kitchens. So that was all shot over one day in one house in in a Latino neighborhood here. But we set designed every single room to look like it was a different kind of Latino grandmother's house. So there's both the sort of abuelas piece of this, and then there is the millennial piece Mm -hmm. of this, all of the Twitter and Instagram snapshots. Why did that feel important? Yeah, you know, I think for so many of us, Walter is kind of like a Mr. Rogers kind of character where we equate him with our childhood, and he gives us this warm, fuzzy feeling that's kind of hard to explain. And he was, for us, like... Um, you know, like a big bird or an Oprah, like he was, he was a character that fascinated us. So I, I, we really wanted to pay homage to that kind of. He fascinated us, and the way that my grandmother was when he would come on the TV fascinated me. 
Yes, exactly. The amount of trust that was placed in this person was huge. And he would, you know, Lynn manuel tells the, tells the story of all of us, basically, when he says yes. a, that <laughs> that when Walter would come on, it was like, shh, everybody be quiet. Walter's going to read our horoscopes. So um, he had a hold on a whole community during a, during, for 30 years he was on TV, which is remarkable. I've now read a lot about the film, largely positive review. I haven't read a single negative review, all positive Aww. reviews. But the one critique seems to be that you didn't go hard enough on the fact that he was doing these astrology hotlines and yes. that they were in some ways incredibly predatory. Yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you as directors chose to probe that question and to tease it out. Yeah, you know, we talked about it for a long time. I think we did a lot of interviews. We did interviews with people who, like, were psychic debunkers. We did interviews. We tried to find people who had been uh, victims of these hotlines. And we did a lot of interviews with that as a possible beat that we would go into. You know, documentary filmmaking is kind of like fishing. You go get a lot of stuff, and then you decide what makes it... We we did push Walter on it a bit, and, and you know, you hear Kareem, my co-director, ask him, like, you know, well, weren't these predatory? Weren't you, like, taking advantage of poor people? Um, and you can see that it makes Walter uncomfortable in the moment, um, which I think was our duty to kind of go into it. But at the end of the day, it was a, a, a something that he did, largely because Bill set it up. And something that I think deep down he he felt conflicted about, and I'm not sure that he wanted to be doing that. Uh, he never said that on camera, but um, but yeah, it, it was a big question for us. It is hard to find the time to do just about anything. And when you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. Well, there is an incredible app that solves this problem. I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is pretty unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made for busy people like me, like you, who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. I like Blinkist because I can use it anytime, anywhere, when I only have 10 minutes. I've read these books, and I highly recommend you check them out. My Beloved World by Sonia Sotomayor, and of course, Becoming by Michelle Obama. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Latina. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Latina to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Latina. 
When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. Can you pull back the curtain for me when you say a lot of producing a documentary is you go fishing, you bring back a ton, and then you decide what makes it? What does that actually look like in practice? Yeah, so so hundreds and, like you said, hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage. Um, but um, it's, a, it's a fun process. It's also a very hard process. I'm, I love being in the field. I love the fishing trip. I love, you know, figuring out what the story might be um, in real time. The, the editing part is a lot more heart, heartbreaking because you have to lose things that you love. One of my biggest regrets is this moment where Walter's baby birding, his little dog Runo, he's pre-chewing the food and feeding his little dog Runo. And it is the strangest, to me, it's like my sense of humor. It is the strangest, funniest thing, really gross. But there was no place in the film for it, so there's no baby birding Runo. <laughs> Um, you didn't go to film school. How did you learn to direct? I mean, really, Fusion was a, an amazing training ground. I feel like it got so lucky. I went to journalism school for free and film school. Darren Foster and Mariana Von Deller, uh, a couple who you know, who are <laughs> incredible documentary filmmakers, and Mariana's a correspondent in L.A., I've spent so much time with both of them and I've learned so much from both of them. I, you know, surrounded myself and tried to follow people who I really respected and thought were very good. I also love going out and asking people if I can get them lunch or dinner and then asking them all of the questions I have. I, I, I really feel like 
I'll always be learning and and just asking questions and being annoying and staying there long enough is half the battle. Being in the mix, being in the thick of it. So let's talk about the pitching. Yeah. As you were going around, first of all, who were you pitching this film to? And what was the response in the rooms that you were in? You know, when I first pitched this film, I had just made Science Fair, and I was like, finally, I got I got something done. I got my first feature done, and I got and it did very well, and now I'm going to be able to make whatever I want. And I remember there was an agent who wanted to represent me, and, I t- and they were like, so what's next with you? And I said, I... I want to make this movie about this genderqueer Puerto Rican astrologer who's very important to all Latinos. And the first thing they said to me was, well, you know, um, crossover stuff doesn't really work for us. We tried one and it didn't work. And so (laughs) I immediately was so mad. And if people who know me know that that's like the, the best thing you can say to me is that I can't do something, I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> like that's that is the motivation I needed for the next 2 years to to make this happen. Um and I feel like a lot of Latino producers and directors have stories that are similar to this. Initially it was very hard pitching this story around people didn't get it and you know I would be like have you seen Walter? Like how can you not understand this man? He has like such a huge following of people who don't know he's still alive. Like, how can, how can you not understand this? So it was very frustrating for, you know, about a year until we started encountering Latino executives. Well, actually, just one maybe Latino exe- executive who got it immediately. And I think that was a, a large part of why the movie happened. And And really, I think Walter's story is being memorialized by people in our generation who are insistent that his story be told and that his story mattered and um, that we need everybody to know that Walter is an American icon. So when you were doing that initial pitching, are you pitching it to places that may want to buy it for distribution? Well, first you're pitching it, usually with documentary, you pitch it to um, like funders, like production companies or grants. You're writing grant applications. Or you could, now the docs landscape is so diverse that you could be pitching it to the Apples or the Netflixes or you can pitch it directly to the buyers. Um, but it, it it turned out really well for us. We had a little bit of financing from Topic Studios and we were able to sell it to Netflix right after we got into Sundance. So it was, um, it, w- it was amazing. It was amazing. You'll forgive this question if it is tacky, but I ask it because mm-hmm. these, this is, I think, some of the stuff, the opaqueness of these industries that stops people yeah. from getting into them, which is, so from sort of the last check you get for the last documentary you made, until you get a real distribution deal. Yeah. How are you paying your bills in between? That's a great question. It's really, you piece it together. You know, I did some branded documentary work. I did little projects here and there um, just to make the make ends meet. You know, it was, I was still being paid from Science Fair for a while, but it's really a struggle. It's really, you know, you have to, um, it's a juggling act, and you have to be developing more than one project at once. I think we always have 12 irons in the fire at once and hope that one uh, pops mm. off. So it's it's a, a real juggling act, but 
Um, it's it's so much fun. I would encourage anybody who's interested in documentary film to try it because I love it. I and I hope this is not annoying. I have often said that would be a great documentary, or someone should do a documentary on that. What are the questions you need to ask yourself to determine if a subject has enough there there to warrant a documentary? Yeah, I, I mean, I always ask myself, what are the stories that I can uniquely tell that that other people maybe don't have an entry point into? And I think Walter and Science Fair were both those kinds of stories. I think we also, you know, have a duty to tell stories that move things forward or or, or make people think about these larger um, issues, whether they be immigration or, you know, uh, LGBT rights, any issue that deserves space. I also always look for an arc in a story. What, what, where are we going to? What, where are we headed? What are the stakes for the characters? And how is this going to resolve itself? So that, those, that's a story structure kind of framework that I look for. What, I like, I know that moment where you see a, um, a trailer for a film and then all of a sudden all of like the festival awards start <laughs> yeah. popping up. But as someone who's never been to a film festival or has never participated in a film festival, what is the importance of those festivals and what is the significance of them when you're trying to bring a film to market? I had never been to a film festival before at Science Fair premiered at Sundance. Thank you Sundance. for making me feel less uncool. <laughs> so, <Thank you. laughs> I had never been. I didn't really understand what they were. Um, I Yeah, I had never been to one. I didn't quite understand the culture. But for filmmakers, a film festival is where you can be acquired. It's where Buzz started. It's a marketplace. It's, you know, Science Fair was acquired by National Geographic after we won. We won an audience award at Sundance and then South By, and we kept picking up audience awards. That really gave us what we needed to get uh, acquired, I think. And so, and then Science Fair, after it was acquired, had a long, happy life in theaters and was in schools. And so, and none of that would have been possible without the film festivals. We're in a moment where every industry is being asked to do a self-assessment of whether or not they truly are diverse, whether or not they are truly inclusive as it relates largely to communities of color, specifically as it relates to the Black community. And so I wonder from your perch, where you think there is room to improve and grow within film generally, but also within documentary. Yeah, I, you know, I think, as I just said about Walter's story, it wasn't until we had a champion who was Latino that, the story was kind of recognized as important. And I think for as pr- progressive as people want to be, uh, there's n- there's no equivalent to just having a person of color in the room. I really think we have to get serious about hiring people from different communities um, because they have different entry points and they understand things in a, in a different light. And But you're saying even more specifically the people who have the access to the funding. Yes, the, peop- the people in power need to be hiring brown 
people, people of color, the stories will get better and they'll get more interesting. If you've only been telling the story of human history through white male voices for so long, once you open that up, the stories are going to get way better and way more interesting. And they are. And the, and it's really exciting time. It's a really, really exciting time to be a filmmaker because I think that acknowledgement is happening right now. I think if you're Latina in particular and thinking about getting into documentary film, we need you. There are only a few of us. I was reading, oh my God, you would die. I was reading an interview you did in 2013 Ooh. when you just left the Huffington Post and it started your job at Fusion. <laughs> oh my gosh. so sweet. The reporter asked you about the secret to your success. I was like 12. And, <laughs> uh, and you sort of knew that. You were like, well, the secret to my success, as you suggest. Um, and you said, I dream really big to the point that some people would probably say it's delusional. Yes. Is that as true today as it was then? Absolutely. I I always try to channel my small Argentinian father. I think everybody should have a delusional Argentinian man on their shoulder at all times because he dreams so big and does such crazy things. And, and you know, I, I'm always like, what would Mario do? And I think if especially women could channel that that small delusional Argentinian man, we would all be a lot farther. So, um, yeah, dream big. That's what I, that's my advice. Christina, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks. So nice to be here. Mucho, mucho amor. Oh my God. Mucho, <laughs> mucho amor. Thanks as always for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Virginia Lora is our managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our producer. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening. And please, please leave a review. It is one of the fastest, easiest ways to help us grow as a community. a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.